0: Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen, the podcast has a birthday. A famous director passes away, and we look at the films Mado the park of music, Diva, and Act the tiger. East
1: Green West Green. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood, and lots of stuff in between. It is Tuesday, August 21st, 2012. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Fox. And joining me from his super secret location right here in the Fragrant Harbor, facing another typhoon this week, is Mr.
0: Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Uh, Hello, Paul. How are you doing this week?
1: All right. I've been trying to work out some technical issues. Uh, We are actually broadcasting live this time on justin tv we've moved over from ustream because uh, we had some feedback from some listeners that uh, listen live that uh, ustream was uh pumping in some commercials and uh couldn't figure out why uh, we're, we're, i guess maybe because i'm not a paid uh broadcaster a paying broadcaster they're not paying listeners but for whatever the reason we're trying something different a little bit this week so uh If we seem a little bit out of sorts, especially me, it's because I've been juggling different technical aspects all day uh, when I should have been probably paying more attention to the show notes and things like that. So I do apologize if I seem a little bit out of sorts. Uh, My brain is a little bit frazzled from uh, trying to wrap my head around some new technical approaches, but we're trying to do our best to improve things here on the show. Uh, But enough about that. How are you doing, sir?
0: Um, I'm okay. Uh, Kind of a bit weak last week with yeah. my certain projects, uh, being seen. Um, otherwise, you know, just, just, uh, living the life, living know? the life that is, living is to
1: living. live right here in, uh, Hong Kong. Right. Uh,
0: yes, we have another, uh, we had a little typhoon last week, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, well, how, kind of a near it miss,
1: right. It, it ended up going a little bit, uh, to the Southwest of us. Uh, so we kind of, uh, we got some rain, some weather, but, uh, not no real major damage that way but there's another one out there that looks like it's purged to uh pass through taiwan and head over our way some people have called it a super typhoon um of course that always elicits thoughts of that classic film right
0: yes yes and actually does the official categorization by the hong kong observatory a super typhoon Mm. Uh, mr Uh, tamblin or what is it called yes tamblin
1: well, you know, speaking of films, we're going to be talking about a couple films this week, right? So what are we going to be talking about?
0: Uh, yes, for e-screen, actually it's all e-screen this week, uh, we'll be talking about the latest um, adult film, The Porker Music. Um, and then we will talk about the new uh, Hayward Mac film, *Diva*, And uh, lastly, I'll be talking about the new Bollywood blockbuster, Act the Tiger, or so it was called, Once There Was a Tiger.
1: Mm. All right. All of that and much more coming up right after a little bit of news all right so just a couple news stories to focus on this week of course the first one maybe the most important depending on your perspective certainly very important for us here at the podcast uh we turned three yesterday yay uh three years of podcasting how do you feel
0: wow i i didn't it hasn't felt like three years. I mean, imagine what, what I was doing. For, I mean, actually, last year I said this. What was I doing three years ago, in 2009? Yeah. When we were starting out, I was still in school. Yeah. Uh, you were still not married yet, I think.
1: Uh, no, I was not.
0: Yes. And uh, certainly and, uh, didn't have a little bundle of joy. I have
1: work. Yeah. Uh, so lots of big changes that have happened, and uh, hopefully lots more as we push forward, ever forward with our little program here. Um. Again, trying to make improvements and changes along the way, uh, but I am a slow learner, so I am very grateful that the audience has uh, uh, borne through it with us for these uh, past three years. And to uh, think
0: it only took us three years to get a Facebook page running?
1: <laughs> and that's exactly know? why the Facebook stock is doing so badly, right?
0: <laughs> Cause we've I mean, been what, what, what's out. next, I think? Um, how many more years do it would take? Well, I don't even know what next social media thing we have to get onto. Yeah. And it would take five more years,
1: yeah, well, there's a lot out there I mean I just um uh, there was there's one starting today, something about uh twenty four hour Hong Kong City or something where I got an email that they wanted me to join, and basically you uh take a photo and you tweet the photo or you put it on Facebook or one of the other the social message platforms with the tag of uh the name of this social network and the tag of the time the photo was taken, and I guess they somehow collect all the photos based on the times and the tags and they create like a, a, a photo montage of an entire day and so I'm hopef- hoping to take part in this uh, sometime in the next 24 hours to contribute a photo or two
0: uh, to really? this. I, I was thinking maybe we, could, we could have a profile on like adultfriendfinder.com or something <laughs> <It makes sense.
1: laughs> well that's a little bit more up your alley than mine right well, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a married man sir <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we are here to talk about some serious news though. So, uh, why don't we get on to a little bit of discussion? Um, up first is I'm not really news. This is a little bit of a discussion that was generated, uh, amongst myself and you and, and some of the other people that we, uh, watch films with here in Hong Kong. Um, regarding Hong Kong film, this is a, uh, what is it? it's an article talking about, I guess the creative genius of Johnny Toe and Soi Chung. It is part of the indiewire network. It is called Critic Wire and the article is by a gentleman named Adam Cook. It is from August 13th, um, so a couple days ago last week. Um, and I guess the thing that sort of caught uh, you know caught the eyes of readers initially and, and, and eventually came to our attention was, Um, that the article goes on to say that, uh, and and let me quote this here, thanks to director, writer, producer, Johnny Toe, the commercial cinema of Hong Kong has entered a golden age. Uh, Since forming Milky Way Image Limited in 1996, Toe has helped produce over 50 films and has directed or co-directed over half of them himself. Um, Just there, sort of right off the bat, I think that uh, a lot of what's being labeled there. It caught a lot of us by surprise and made us wonder if if this particular uh, writer really had a s- sense of being vested in the history of Hong Kong cinema, um, if he considers what we're in now a golden
0: age, right? Um, it, it feels like this guy was writing in like the late 90s. If You look at the, the line after that, while other Hong Kong filmmakers were being exported to America or devoting themselves to the art house scene. I mean, crying out loud, this is like the late 90s. This is like 10 years ago. Yeah. No Hong Kong directors are being exported to America anymore. Or there's not even an art house scene to to talk of, to speak of here.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, he is kind of talking about that period when To, uh, you know, founded the company in 1996. You know, you did have during that period, you know, guys like John Woo and Chow Yun-Fat and a little bit of brain drain. Um, but, I mean to say that uh, now is a golden period compared to then i don't know if that's really a, a, the, the best way to label things
0: yes it, it is totally the the wrong the wrong I, i'm sorry if you look at the actually if you see this a comment for me but i'll just repeat some of my points is that there is no such thing as a golden age anymore from the 80s and the 90s in fact hong kong cinema has never been in a more troubling state than now yeah. um i mean ever since It started out. You can say I'm not even talking about Cantonese cinema. I'm talking about Hong Kong cinema. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of the films are being now co-produced with China, which means they're um, stifled by uh, by by censorship, ideological censorship, uh, content censorship, and so on and so forth. Um, And and box offices uh, for local films um, they're lower than ever. No, even the the highest-grossing film this year. Is nowhere near um, just the highest-grossing film a couple years ago. Maybe you talk about Initial D, which is we had made like even last year. Last year we had Second Zen 3D, which made 40 million, and this year's highest-grossing film made only 27. Mm. Um, We're talking about a a very, very slow and painful death here for Hong Kong cinema. Uh, And if anything, Milky Way and Johnny Toe are are they're not even keeping the beat the, the post going because even Johnny Toe and Milky Way has gone on to make, um, China co-productions.
1: Cool yeah. I think for me, the, the problem with the language he's using here is how do we, you, you know, what are you using to define a golden age? Are you looking at box office revenues? Are you looking at number of films produced? Are you looking at, you know, the, mm. the amount of local talent that's getting utilized? I mean, that that's, to make a statement like that, you really kind of have to back it up with some kind of legitimate figures or statistics or something that says, "Well, this is how I see, you know, a golden age." I mean, some would say that you know the the late '80s, early '90s, when you had people like, you know, Andy Lau and Chow Yun Fat and and uh, you know Jackie Chung and others doing six, seven, eight, nine films a year. I don't know if they ever did nine, but you know they were doing record number record numbers of films a year and you don't get anywhere near that kind of an output. So from an output standpoint, um, it's certainly not a golden age. Is it from a sense of a quality standpoint? um, I know that you, you know, one of the things he's talking about in this article is the film Motorway, uh, which you really liked. And then some of the other people I've spoken to have really liked, haven't had a chance to see it yet, uh, but it is getting a video release, I think, this week. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, maybe in terms of quality, are you defining it, you know, quality-wise? But then what are you comparing it to? So, yeah, exactly.
0: There is no quality search. There is no, uh, uh, commercial search. There is, there is very little search to speak of right now for Hong Kong cinema. Mm.
1: Um, well, anyway, I I don't want to, you know, totally bash on the article because you know he does make some interesting points a bit later on. It's just that initial language that he utilizes to try and, uh, I guess, to try and define Johnny Toe as the savior of Hong Kong cinema. Um, was just a little bit strong for my taste. But we will put the link in the show notes. Again, it's over at IndieWire, under CriticWire. The name of the article is Milky Way Magic, the Creative Genius of Johnny Toe and Soi Chung by Adam Cook, And you can uh, go and take a look for yourself and see if you agree uh, with Mr. Cook or not. Um, all right, moving on to a little bit of uh, our other news. Um, one of the films we're going to be talking about this week uh, from Bollywood... Salman Khan's uh, *Ek the Tiger. Uh, this article coming from Hindustan Times, uh, not something that I read quite as often as <laughs> I, I probably should, but, it, you know, caught my eye, um, talking about the success of the film, uh, going on to state that, um, you know, that the figures are beyond historic um, and that it's apparently doing really well. Uh saying that, you know, business on uh, Wednesday, I guess when it opened, was uh, historic, but... Um, You know, with things like this, there can be a lot of hype uh, about these films, but you have to look at the bigger picture sometimes with, you know, is it opening in more cinemas? Is it got more expensive ticket prices because of 3D or other things being attached to it? Um, But needless to say, Kevin saw the film and uh, he's going to give us his take on it a little bit later and uh, let us know if it's something that we should be uh, looking forward to. Have you gotten any any feedback or ideas about how well this film is doing in comparison with some of the other films we've looked at like uh, Raw or um Three Idiots
0: yeah uh Filmbiz Asia just just uh, published a story tonight um it reported that Ekta Tiger has uh because it was released during the Independence Day holiday which was also tacked on with the eight, eight holiday which is a Muslim holiday so it was a very long holiday weekend and um it it put act the tiger uh, on course to become the biggest, uh, film of 2012. Uh, it had a record record day, record single day gross. Uh, I think it also beat the record for the biggest weekend ever in Bollywood history. Um, and it's, uh, on course to be, to take, to beat three idiots. It's the highest grossing film of all time. Wow. Um, yes. So salmon Khan is easily the biggest, the biggest straw in Bollywood. Not easily, but I mean, there are plenty of huge straws in Bollywood, but, uh, Selmon Khan is a big draw on Hollywood. Uh, and and if, if anything reflects that, it would be the fact that when we watched a Saturday Night Show um, at the China Camp here, the, f- the house was full, as in to the first row. Mm. Uh, I have never seen this happen. And this, this is not a movie that, that you know, tickets is, are easy to buy. You have to call a shop and actually book your tickets or you have to go to that specific shop in Chongqing Mansion. That's the only place where you can buy your ticket. And so it's not the easiest place, uh, the easiest movie to buy tickets for. And the the people who handle the show, they 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 schedule six showings over the weekend. And my showing on Saturday night was full, and there was like he was talking about big house in China Cam, I think over two hundred or three hundred seats, and the house is full. And um, that says something about Salman Khan's draw uh, in in India.
1: Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm I was hoping to get out and see it, but um you know I'm a little bit homebound these days for obvious reasons. Um, but, um, uh, I remember when we went to see Ra 1, uh, what was that last year? Uh, yes. Last, yeah. last September. And, same, um, same period, I But they had a screening for that at a much nicer theater. Um, although I think that was sort of outside of, cause that was a day and date kind of thing, wasn't it? It's always day and date, actually. Right. So It's so, also a day
0: and day thing, yes.
1: I mean, why not? If the film's so big, why was it, why is it at the China cam and not at one of the bigger theaters like Ra 1 was?
0: Uh, actually, the China Camp house is bigger than the one that we saw. Um, we saw Raw One, which is I House, uh, I Square. Sorry, I Square only had about one hundred fifty seats, two hundred seats. But we, we, uh, we, but I think the big deal was because they had the three D equipment. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. And China 3D. Camp, I guess, wasn't ready for three D, but Raw One had the three D equipment, which is why they had to put it at and. Uh, and actually, now that I think about it, that show was also full as well, yes, even so though it was a smaller house and it was, was a Sunday a morning film. show, I believe, or a Saturday morning show. Yep. Yeah.
1: Um. All right. Well, uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to uh, catch it on video. I don't Do you think it'll get a general release here in Hong Kong oh, or No way, but
0: I I don't worry I'll get you a DVD or something yeah. next time I stop by it. Doesn't you know? doesn't have Wait, the that that same that.
1: international appeal of 3
0: Idiots. No, cuz this, this is a straight up uh, blockbuster thriller. I mean, this is not spy. There's a spy movie that Hollywood has done much better in a much more polished mm-hmm. way, and Salman Khan literally has very little draw outside of, you know, Bollywood fans and probably Indian population. So um, like I said, I will, I, will, I will buy you a, I was buy you a, uh, a, DVD. All right. The twelve dollar ones. Uh, don't say tell anyone I told you that.
1: But yeah, I'll buy you one. <laughs> those. All right. Uh, you got a little bit of uh, sad news for us today. Uh, this has been going around on the internet, internets, um, and on various news sites about Tony
0: Scott. Yes. Uh, sad news. Uh, coming from LA. Um, director Tony Scott, who gave us uh classic blockbusters like. Top Gun and um, Crimson Tide, and uh, as recent as uh, his last one was Unstoppable. Uh, on um, Monday night, I think Monday night or Sunday night, uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, L.A. time, he um, took a plunge off the um, Vincent Thomas Bridge in San Pedro, and um, yeah, he passed away at the age of sixty-eight. Uh, no one knows really. No one really knows why he did it. Uh, there were rumors uh, passed by ABC News about. Uh, him having a inoperable brain cancer but that has been denied uh even though he did leave a suicide note um the director was last uh heard was planning a top gun sequel with tom cruise uh so this is obviously unexpected um he produces many films of his older brother when Scott, as as recently as uh, prometheus and um he's been kind of one of the leading he's one of the leading directors who brought us the so-called what we call mtv style you know mm. very flashy uh quick cuts um, very influential director in terms of modern modern blockbuster contemporary films. Um, I, I remember I mentioned on Twitter uh, on Monday if you watch the films of Andrew Lau, especially those after um, uh, Young and Dangerous when he switched to that MTV style, you see Tony Scott's fingerprints all over the place. Yeah, actually very influential director. I was just watching Crimson Tie and this is the man who could turn a movie about that essentially takes place almost entirely in a submarine and. The angles he uses, the lighting, the way he cuts, the um, the camera movements, everything is just sort of beyond what any normal director can do. is He's a very energetic director. You could tell uh, he made. I just say I just I just say that he didn't make films. He made movies. Hmm. You know what I mean? He he made very entertaining blockbusters, um, very much entertainment products that that we could we could all absorb, but. There's always a little something to it, a little bit more style, a little bit more content, a little bit more uh, oomph, you could say. Like, like Crimson Tide, you know, it's it's, a, it's not really your typical blockbuster action movies, but it's shot like one. But, you know, it's all about tension between characters and it's about the script and things like that. It's a very, a very interesting director, even though, you know, his last couple of films were not as outstanding as, you know, his, his earlier days, you know, we talk about Top Gun, and that's a real classic there. But yeah, it's true that it hasn't made something you know that big in the last couple of years. But you know, Unstoppable was a was a was a fine, entertain entertaining film, and um, and I, I like Man on Fire a lot. Uh, and of course, like I just said, uh, my favorite Tony Scott film I think is uh, Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, um, any any fond memories of a uh, Tony Scott films that you want to share?
1: Well, I loved Man on Fire, and of course, you know, Top Gun is just a ubiquitous part of pop culture. Um, yes. You know, it had that that kind of an impact. Uh, I think the interesting thing is some a lot of the speculation that's going on about, you know, him possibly being terminally ill and, you know, doing this as a, you know, a way to sort of meet things head on rather than wasting away, uh, which it, it mentions. It's, there's no confirmation of that. Um, but uh, I think that's, you know, an interesting an interesting aspect, if that turns out to be true or not, we'll have to wait and see uh, what gets revealed. Uh, Also, sadly, we uh, lost uh, a lady I always found extremely funny. Uh, I know some found her very annoying, Phyllis Diller, recently passed away. Uh, Of course, she she was quite old, I guess 95, so she had a quite full life, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, it was... uh, some somebody I always enjoyed seeing on different shows and and uh, comedies from time to time. I liked her kind of humor, but I know it could be grating on some people because she was, you know, somebody who was pretty much in your face, and uh, she had a voice that could kind of go up your spine at times. Uh, but I always liked her. Kevin, any thoughts on Phyllis Diller?
0: Uh, I'm afraid this is is not my not your my generation. generation. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just yeah. Sorry, baby. but I mean, yeah, okay, you know yeah sure
1: to a straight all right, um, <laughs> all right, I think that's a bit about it for all of our news this week. Uh, so why don't we move on and talk about some films? Train. West. Train. Oh. All right, so uh, we've got a couple films, three films for East Screen to talk about this week. No West screen this week. uh originally, I was hoping to get out and talk about uh Paranorman. For our West Screen choice for this week, but unfortunately time was not on my side, and uh, i have to put that off till later. But we do have uh, three East Screen films to talk about. Uh, up first, the latest McDull film, uh, McDull the Pork of Music. Now, if I've done this correctly, uh, the trailer should now play on the live stream. So let me see if I can bring this up. Oops,
0: 校長, All
1: right, so that was the uh Trailer for McDull, and uh, the Pork of Music. This uh, is uh, how do we consider this? Is this the fourth or the fifth entry? Because I know some people don't like to co- consider McDull the alumni as a true McDull film, right? Um, wow, I, li- I love because, because I
0: mean, although the alumni had had McDull animation, so yeah. it counts.
1: So, so this is the fifth film uh, in the series. Uh, the Pork of Music, um, like many McDull films, it focuses on. Uh, the central character of McDull, who's sort of a, you know, he's in uh, the, you know, famous kindergarten that he's in, run by the school principal or the headmaster, and uh, his teacher, Miss Chan. Uh, This time, however, unfortunately, the school has fell on hard times because of things like the financial tsunami, the economic recession. Um, The school's not able to meet its bills and, and pay its obligations, and it's facing uh, you know, a potential shutdown. Um, so to try and make ends meet, uh, the headmaster comes up with the idea of getting the kindergartners, the, you know, McDull's group of classmates together, um, to form a choir because the headmaster himself really loves music. And, uh, they get hooked up with a sort of a shady agent who's voiced by, um, Ronald Chang, uh, who you'll, you know, you'll recognize from, uh, uh, dragon loaded and uh what was he in most recently the four Bulgaria, um, <clears throat> Bulgaria. you know so he's he, he's he's been around he's been
0: has he been in some
1: of the mcdoll films before wasn't he in the alumni
0: he was in the alumni yeah. but he, has, he hasn't done any voice work for, for the for the animation yeah so this is his
1: first time doing voice work for character animation and basically he starts taking them around to uh different uh, gigs and uh you know getting them to sing he enters them in some singing competitions uh gets them to put out some some albums and basically it's kind of going along with the theme of a couple of our movies in that um you know he's he's going through sort of the whole musical routine that mu- you know pop culture musicians go through um particularly in Hong Kong now um along the way the characters run into uh a lot different difficulties and they also meet some celebrities you might have heard what sounds like Andy Lau there in the trailer um you can, how can you possibly do a you know a, a McDonald movie about music and not include the king of uh, canton pop right um Andy Lau unfortunately it's not the real Andy Lau it is a it is a voice actor that is confirmed right Yes, you know, so it's a person kind of yeah. sounds like Andy Lau. Um but it's a great role nonetheless, very funny, especially for somebody if you really like Andy Lau, it's funny the way they portray him and uh some of the thing interactions that he has with the with the McDowell cast. Um there's still some political commentary, although it's much lighter, I think, in this film than it has been in other films. It does uh highlight some aspects of both the music industry. It highlights aspects of Uh, The wealth gap that is here in Hong Kong, um, particularly for, you know, uh, parents living at the upper end and the way they treat their children and parents of very little means and uh, the kinds of things that their children end up having to do for, you know, getting an education and these kinds of things. Basic themes are still the same for any McDowell film. It's sort of about, um, you know, McDull not being really excellent at anything, but still managing to to get by in, in the end. Um, the one thing that was really different about this McDowell film, uh, compared to a, at least the last couple of animated ones, not, not the alumni so much, was that while the McDull characters, the central characters look the same, you still have, um, uh, voice work by Sandra M, Anthony Wong, The Pancakes, you've got some songs by The Pancakes as well. Um, you, you you get a different animation style for some of the other characters, some of the new characters that are brought in just for this piece, um, and even Andy Lau himself. And that art style doesn't really seem the same as the McDowell style. And sometimes, in in some of the scenes, the two styles don't seem to mix. Um, are you, Do you know who did that style, Kevin, by chance?
0: Yes, uh, it's by a local uh, cartoonist named Yearnhawk Dutt. Yeah, I think I've think uh, think
1: he's. Yes. I i seen him do political cartoons for uh, some stuff. I think I actually have a comic book of his um, where he parodies things like uh, Donald Zung and and things like that. He's got sort of a distinctive visual style, and it's different from the McDowell style. And sometimes it just doesn't work. A lot of times it's fine. You know, for most of the movie it's fine, but a few times I felt it stands out. The other thing that's different too is that the approach to a lot of the backgrounds, the background animation and the way they depict Hong Kong is significantly different from, uh, the first couple films and even the last film, uh, Kung Fu Ding Dong. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's still nice in the way it's presented. It's very visually colorful. Um, but I think I kind of prefer the old style uh, a little bit. Uh, but overall it is a McDowell film. Um, it is, you know, focused on music. So if you like music and you like McDowell, you're certainly going to enjoy this film. Um, it's not as deep or as heavy, certainly not as deep or as heavy as uh, Prince de Laban. Not quite as meaningful, maybe, as Kung Fu Ding Dong in terms of the relevance to things going on um, between Hong Kongers and people in China, um, or even the first film. Uh, not, not quite as humorous as the first film. But I'd say it's still a very enjoyable entry, and I would be happy if they would do more. Uh... Kevin, now, you don't want to review the film because you worked on it, right?
0: Yeah, um, actually, the disclaimer, yes, I, I worked on a draft of the subtitles, uh, two drafts of the subtitles, even though my subtitles didn't end up getting used, um, which is actually maybe why Paul, you didn't really find it as humorous, because actually the, the movie is, is actually very funny uh, with the di- Cantonese dialogue, and there's a lot of Cantonese wordplay that is essentially almost impossible to translate. And this of someone who tried to translate it. So it is impossible to translate and it's a, um, actually it's a very funny movie. Um I can I guess I can talk a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, I, I mean you've got some experience with it. I mean.
0: Uh not even experience. I could maybe talk about the animation a little bit because mm-hmm. I you know I didn't work on the animation, so it's okay for me to talk about that and, and and my own view on it actually at least after from reading the script because you well know, plus I am gonna be very positive with the film, so I'm I'm sure the, the people who you know we're gonna film won't, won't hold it against me or anything um i i, I think that the animation you're right is not quite there you know what i mean it's not it doesn't quite match um i you know how that you know how does anim- uh, comic apparently very popular among some people and they are very uh humorous in their way of in their style and they work in their own little universe but i think the characters here which um mainly used for the uh the alumni characters, because there's a whole whole section about the graduates going back to the the old Springfield Elementary or kindergarten for a fundraiser, and all these characters. Now the adults, they're all drawn like these very strange, offbeat, uh, eccentric-looking characters, and yes, it is a little off. Um, even the direction's a little off. Um, I, I think it was a little rushed sometimes, and it feels like it's not, how do I say, it's not quite natural, you know, the animation yeah i think um it's not your typical you know 2d animation and um and yes it, it does feel a little off sometimes uh but i think the film was very touching uh, i was very touching the first time i read the script the by the end um the the emotional points hit a lot easier it's not like uh prince de la bun where you have to really think about different layers of the stories um even though it's a lot deeper um or even the third movie which is a very straightforward kind of a journey you know uh, rise and fall. No, actually rise movie. Um, kind of like a Karate Kid kind of style story. This is a very um, this has kind of double, double, a double journey because it's a principal's journey, uh, but also at the same time it's about those journey. You know, from like uh, from from the kindergarten to the to the part of this choir and becoming a star. Um, and the journey I think is very poignant. Um, uh, even though like you said, it doesn't really hit the current um. Zeitgeist, as much as uh, let's say the third film, because the third film is about Hong Kong is drifting up north. This one is a little more about hits for a lot more general points. You know, very touching kind of teacher disciple kind of thing. It's very much about principal story. Um, working on the subtitles, uh, like I said, my my subtitles d- didn't get used, um, but it was very difficult. It was a, it was a very good experience. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, it was a very big challenge, um, and even in the end, I, I you know even though they didn't use my subtitles in the end, I, I'm honored to have worked on it. And I, uh, yeah, you know, and they paid me on time, which I'm very happy about.
1: That's always yeah. good in the film
0: industry. <laughs> yes. And my name's in the movie, even though it was in Chinese. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good film. You like a doll, I would say see it. Um, even though I, I yeah, the subtitles may not carry it so well, may not translate so well, those films speak Cantonese, but I think, um, if you don't support a then, what else is there left in Hong Kong to support? You know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Seriously, there there is nothing as local as Mato, and even this film is more local than say the last film. The last film was very much a chi- you know, partly a China story. You, you feel the kind of compromise they make to appeal to a China market, but here the story is very much a Hong Kong story.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, and if you don't, you know, it's about guy who is doing his best to make make ends meet, and no matter how many, uh, however many ways. Uh, The whole film is about the principal uh, struggling and taking on, you know, 13 different jobs just to run the school and, and believe holding on to a stream. And, you know, what how how much more Hong Kong can you get in a story like that?
1: All right. So we, I think that's a pretty strong recommendation from both of us. So if you do get a chance uh, and you enjoy music and pigs, get out and watch All Right. Our second East Screen film for this week. Uh, also talking about the music industry is uh, a film called uh, Diva, and this is a film starring Joe Young. Here's the trip.
0: I do so many, so many, so many, 我不想見你
1: So that is uh, the trailer for D.Va starring Joe Young, uh, Chapman Toe, and uh, Mag Lamb, one of the young up and coming stars to come out of uh, The Voice, which is a uh, sort of the I guess the local version of American Idol uh, over here, which uh, in turn, I think they sent it over to the U.S. I think there's a U.S. version of The Voice now. So, uh, so Kevin, why don't you uh, tell us your thoughts about D.Va?
0: Yeah, uh, *Diva* is the third feature film uh, by Hayward Mack, who really, really made a splash here in Hong Kong with the indie film High Noon. Uh, she was, of course, uh, discovered by Eric Zung, so to speak, and then uh, ended up making X, which is also produced by Chairman and uh, starred Julian Chung and, of course, produced by E.G. And her follow-up and her follow up to that uh, is also produced by Chairman uh and also produced by E.G. and this time stars two, another two big E.G. stars, uh, Joey Young and Mac Lamb, uh, the film stars Chamon Toh as a, as a manager named Man, who got his start as a idol manager uh, thanks to Jay, uh, played by Joey Young, uh, who was an up-and-coming star. And, and then uh, he took on uh, the job to become her manager and took her to stardom. Ten years later, uh, now, of course, uh, jo- Jay is now—and uh, I, ca- I keep trying to resist myself from saying Joey because, you know, clearly the character is named Jay, nothing else. Uh, Jay is now a big star. She is the biggest star of the city. Um, and, of course, she is having, you know, the, the idol blues, so to speak. You know, she wants her own life, but it's always in the limelight. And, and she, her, her whole public opinion is getting, getting manipulated by man who, who wants to control how her, her career goes and control her image and essentially take, essentially take control of her life because it's his job to do so. And he would do it in any way possible. Uh, meanwhile, there's a young, young singer, singer named Red, uh, played by Mag Lamb. Uh, who who got her career start as a very popular pop singer. Um, one day she's discovered by Man and um, taken in, signs uh, signs signs her up to become a star. But of course, this uh, she runs into a conflict with her boyfriend, uh, played by Carlos Chan, who is. Um, a bartender slash art student, you know, cause there's nothing better than a uh, art student who is a bartender. Uh, and so of course they have to also One work out better. this whole new, uh, this, this new who's stardom, art their loss of privacy, uh, and, and douche, douchey record producers, uh, things like that. And of course, uh, the controlling grip of man. Uh, meanwhile, Jay goes uh, to the mainland um, to for, for, for a performance. And um, after all the stress she goes through, she suddenly loses her voice. Uh, and then one day she sneaks out uh, to to get a massage, and she meets a blind masseuse, um, Hu Ming, played by mainland star Hu Ge. And um, after her her sensitive hands and her sensitive and his sensitive words, uh, she is healed, and and they uh, fall in love. So after Man finds out, it's up to him to to try and uh, stop the relationship from happening. So that's that's Diva. Um, first of all, this like I said earlier, this movie is. Um, produced by eeg the 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 hong kong's premier idol factory and yet it's a a movie that's you know pushed that sells itself as a expose about the dark side of being a pop idol huh does that make sense to you <laughs> not really uh the opening 15 minutes uh is about the scheming and backstabbing in the idol world done by man and it's nothing to do with um with the actual plot itself but it's a great i thought it's a great opening because it's really the only part of the movie that feels real um it's probably true that, you know they use this public manipulation like weibo and and um and handling different characters and and giving them bribing them with different things you know because it, today it's not just about money anymore uh it's about different things and I thought that's part that part was the you know, the only real part is easily the best part of the movie because that's essentially where um, Chapman Toe takes the center stage and, and his character, you know he's the kind of shades of gray kind of character. He's 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 not a Totally, because he's a he's a terrible guy, but at the same time, you know, he has his reasons, and he's very much gray kind of character. And uh, to me, he was the most interesting. But sadly, the movie is a typical "woe is me" stardom is so tough tale about you know the dark side of stardom and how tough it is to be a star. And uh, everything felt really filtered, and everything felt really sanitized. Um, The moment they kind of go into the dark stuff, there's a character uh, I think is played by Venus. I'm not sure. But uh there's a character who's kind of a young schoolgirl who gets uh driven to become a lamo and of course becomes one of those um your your typical uh dark story about selling your body for stardom, blah 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 blah, the cliche story, and that's even that felt kind of sanitized because you never really clearly see what happens to her. Um and it's kind of very Clean version of it, at least. Everything else, everyone else except Chapman, um, who is the best thing in the film again, uh, is perfect and innocent. You know, Jay is just this, this you know, talented woman who is trapped because she is too talented and it's the only thing, sings the only thing she knows how to do, and that she doesn't really approve of, of Chapman's uh, 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 methods, but you know, she has to because she wants to be a star and she wants to keep up status quo. It, it, it all felt really fake to me. Uh, of course Mag Lamb again she just really wants to sing and and um and the only thing she cares about is advancing her name and she has no qualm about you know she has no no temptations in the industry. She doesn't wanna cheat on her boyfriend at all. Yeah, right. Come on. Let's face it. Everything is way too white, everything's way too sanitized. Um the Jay and the Blind Masu storyline, the, the the romance, felt kind of forced and felt really fake, even though it's supposed to be the harder thing. The uh, Hu Ming uh, played the Hugh Kuga character uh, actually felt like a walking metaphor. You know, he has he has like uh, lines like, "We're both the same. If we if we leave where we are, then we're nobodies." Or, uh, uh, you know, um, I think only after I became blind, everything everything I saw was real or everything I see is unreal. You know, I thought at one point he was going to say, you know, I once was blind, but now I see that kind of thing. It was really forced. Um, Mac lamb and Chan Shannon. Are okay. Mac lamb is kind of cute. You know, she can sing of course. Um, but a very standard star and commoner love story. That's been done much better before. Watch, you know, watch Notting Hill. You want that kind of story. yeah, um, I would like to know actually the real difficulties Hayward Mac had getting her movie, her vision across. Because here it is, you have this young filmmaker, you know, who made who came up against category free indie film that didn't make any compromises, and now she's suddenly making this um, movie, you know, under Idol Factory and under a star producer, you know, about a, a touch a, a subject that not only has to get through China censors but also get through the the, the corporate censors. Um, I really would like to know what kind of frustration she has to deal with to make this. Film because in the end I had a feeling this really isn't her film, you know. It felt like a very compromised version of her film if she had any kind of vision. So um in the end I would like I would just say you know if you're a fan of Joey or Maglam Lam or or Idol the, you know the whole Hong Kong pop scene in general Cantopop, uh it is in a way a good way to look at it uh if you don't know much about it. So you know it's worth at least a TV it. Otherwise um if you don't care much uh then you know then skip it. Paul, oh? yeah, um, I I liked it.
1: <laughs> <Yee>! <laughs> I know that a, a lot of the a lot of the guys we watch movies with uh, were not a fan of it. I, I kind of liked it. Um, now I have to say right up front, I'm not a big fan of Joey Young. Um, she's only done a a couple roles that I've really kind of enjoyed her. I don't care for her singing. I don't find her particularly attractive. Um, that's just me. That's just my personal preference. Um I think she did okay being sort of the spoiled uh bratty diva that she's supposed to be and and that's something we should probably talk about. I mean the the, the idea of a diva in English is uh, that's a very negative kind of a term, right? Uh these days. Um I I I would have liked to have seen them play that up more with her side in contrast to uh Maglam's side. I I think she was kind of neutral and, and I think maybe she wanted to be seen as the good guy um, in, 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 in uh, the whole scope of the film. Um, and it's interesting that you said how everybody's kind of white. I kind of saw everybody as just gray um, with Chapman being sort of the most great. Now Chapman is great. I'd recommend if you like Chapman toe, watch this film because I like Chapman toe and he made this film for me really maglam is cute i also liked watching her in in this role too but i mean she's she's a, a neophyte actress you know she's mostly known for singing she's a great singer got a great voice um but she certainly doesn't fit the the typical idol model you know she's coming off of the voice uh she's pretty short um you know and, and they make fun of they actually make fun of this at one point in in the film which I thought was a a pretty nice, nicely put together scene. But she does have a presence and she can't hold her own on the screen, uh, given the right material. And I thought she was fine here. This is very much sort of a star is born, um, you know, that kind of a story. It's about a person who's kind of already at the top, met their peak, now not sure where they're going. Maybe their time is over. Um, And, uh, you know, it's a a new rising generation kind of a thing. Uh, There's not a lot of friction between the two, really. It's like just separate anthologies, really, that are centered around sort of the Chapman Toe character. But watching him work was, for me, the best time on the screen. Uh, Those were the best moments. I wanted to see more of him. I wanted to see more of the way that he handled situations. And, you know, he was very gray in the way he handled stuff, but he's trying to do the best that he can to be successful. Um, And he does so... With a sense of purpose, you may not like the way he does it, but he doesn't really do anything illegal. You know, it's not like um you know he's he's doing really bad stuff. He's just doing stuff to make sure to ensure the success of the people he manages. Well, he 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 wiretaps his his
0: star's phone.
1: Right, but in 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 the end, that ends up helping her, right? Because he's ultimately responsible. He's like a parent, in in that regard, you know. Um, he has to as a manager, he has to manage everything. If he's not in complete control, then the product can be potentially destroyed. I found that really super interesting and I really wanted to yeah. see a lot more. That for me,
0: that's where the main story was. But of course uh, the problem is if they went that, that route, then it wouldn't be E. G movie because E. G. would never would never gift out the idea that they're they they're parenting or even owning their, their stars that way. Yeah.
1: But I think I think that they do. And I think that people, that people understand, never, would never, you know, look look to, look to the news stories and, and the rumors of, of like the, uh, Ronald Chang and Charlene breakup. Right. And, and a lot of the things that are flying around at that time and about management and the need to keep things secret. And, you know, Andy Lau's uh, secret marriage and his secret baby and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, it all goes along with the idea of creating that package. Um, but for me, that's, you know, that's the most interesting part of the film. A lot of good cameos, uh, Carahoy, Fiona Sit. um, and it's funny because, you know, like you mentioned, Joey's name is, uh, JJ, basically, her character, and, uh, Fiona is called Fee, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's like they're not even really playing, um, you know, big, big divergences from their actual, uh, personalities, but she's got a nice, uh, sort of a, a, a nice scene where she and, uh joey's character kind of uh, having a bit of tension in the beginning william so uh makes an appearance um, for me there were also some parallels to a film that i'm going to talk about a little bit later in the video section and that is the charlene Choi film uh diva a hey uh which uh, also sort of follows that star is born uh kind of aspect i i think ultimately that film is a much better film than this film uh for different reasons and for my own personal preference uh a couple other things to note uh clement chang should we talk about that
0: <laughs> yes uh clement chan uh who we've met before D- director of gallons, of, of gallons. Right. we give him an award we are hot part of him uh yeah. kind of a kind, kind a of friend of bag. kozo and, and kind of a friend of ours i guess yeah uh, yes mate uh makes a cameo as a as the douchey producer i was talking about in my review yeah uh, uh, and uh yeah he makes a very convincing <laughs> douche <laughs> i guess i don't Actually, know if we'll and, tell him that and, if, and of course knowing clemen that means he's a great actor because yeah. we all know that he's not
1: douche
0: <laughs> he's, he's like a super
1: nice guy and i'm like watching the screen and i'm going wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> um even worse matt chow is like even worse than he is uh he has a very small cameo role um as as an even douchier douchebag um but yeah this film as kevin pointed out it's kind of about rich people problems for a lot of it i mean uh joey's character's unhappiness, and, you know, her frustration and her depression and everything is basically about her, you know, being trapped in this system. But this system is what she wanted, you know, from from the get-go. And it's made her a success. It's made her super rich. You know, she, she complains about having to live in hotel rooms, but these hotel rooms are like five times the size of the rooms that most people in Hong Kong, uh, you know, the average Hong Kong family has to live in. Um, so there is that sense of entitlement um, that that that's present there, um, that I think it, it's kind of hard to empathize with her character at all, at least for me. Um, and uh, the the, the funny there's one part where she falls in a hole, <laughs> and I just couldn't help but laughing. Uh,
0: but actually, if, if there is a point that the film makes, and I think it's a very very good point, and I wish the rest of the film were that, you know. Um, how do I say, on on the point? <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, you know, the film makes a very interesting point. Is that when they, when stars, when before they became stars, all they wanted was to be seen? Yeah. And, but then after they become stars, all they want is to, to be, be anonymous. normal. I think that's a very yeah. interesting point. They, they want to keep that, the thing, they, uh, the you know, they, like they want to keep the money, but they don't want to go back to being that normal. stars like Mag will face and is facing, are yeah. facing.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, but, the, but see, that's the thing. It, it comes down to. Are you willing to sacrifice that sense of normalcy for success and for fame and for the fabulous riches that you can get if you are if you work hard, uh, you know, in the industry? Um, there was another point uh, that I wanted to make about the film. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. There's uh, one. There's one point in the towards the end where I thought the film was going to end, and it sort of kind of kept going for a while. But it's basically an MTV. Um, and they kind of work it in that they're shooting an MTV, but then they're intercutting these scenes of all three characters. So you've got Joey's character and she's the one sort of singing the song and doing the MTV. And then you've got Mag Lam's character and they're, they're sort of doing, a, a flashback sequence of stuff we've already seen. I think it would have been better if they would have done flashbacks of things we hadn't seen. I think it would have been a bit more character building, but they kind of just show us footage they've already shown, like of her and her boyfriend. And they also intercut uh, new footage of the Langmo character, um, and how she's really kind of she took the wrong path, and now she's like working as a PR girl, and and she's just you know she's she's at the very bottom rung.
0: In, in That's a the... problem. I actually, didn't we make clear is that she wasn't a B- PR girl, that she was um. Uh, She's just selling herself to the big bosses. Not even a PR girl. She's not even employed as a PR. Really? Girl. Well, but it kind of looked uh, like she
1: was in a, singing at a karaoke, you know, at a karaoke club. Yeah. Um, it's it kind of hard to tell that it wasn't. That's very why clear. I said sanitized because yeah. they never
0: really tell you what what
1: who those people are. But it 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 gives that impression, and you know, and but then at the very end of this music video that they're filming, um, you know, Joey is there and a cage drops around her. <laughs> you know, to simulate that, oh, she's a caged bird and she can't be free. And I just thought that was just too much, too in your face. Um, you know, it's, it's you know, hit me over the head with a sledgehammer um, trying to be, you know, so obvious about the point you're trying to make. Uh, and that part really didn't work for me. I felt that was sort of one of the weaker parts of the film. Um, and her whole relationship that you talked about with the blind masseuse, I also wasn't really into that um, that much as well uh, again, I wanted a lot more Chapman and it uh, would have made for a better movie, but overall, I still kind of liked it. Uh, I still came away and entertained. Um, and again, mostly from Chapman and Maglam and some of the cameos. Um, so I, I'd say, you know, if you're somebody who likes Chapman, you're kind of interested in films about the music industry, it's certainly better than Lives and Flames. So, uh, TV it.
0: Oh yeah, and Matt Lem was also in Lives in Flames. That's yeah. Yeah.
1: Better here, I would say. Yes. Um all right. I think we can uh move on and talk about uh our next film. Uh this is the one that Kevin's only seen, so I'll let you take it away, sir. And that is the Bollywood film Ek the Tiger.
0: Or Ta yes. Tiger. Yes, Ek the Tiger. Uh or or, or so called a uh, one stair was a tiger. You know, because that's such a Nice and epic name. Egg the Tiger is the latest uh big blockbuster starring um, Salman Khan, who I would like to call the Bollywood Donnie Yen because he's known for his big muscles and his action scenes. But he is also known for one thing that um that that Donnie Yen is not known for is that he is also a fighter. He is a fighter as well as a lover.
1: <laughs> oh, wait a minute, Donnie Yen can be a lover.
0: Donnie does not have any lead man. If we learned romance anything charisma. from. Come on, I saw Love on the Rock.
1: If we learned anything yeah. from All's Well Ends Well 2012, right? <laughs> or was it well,
0: 2011. He, he can woo the heart of Sandra A. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. No, it, I'm, afraid. I'm sorry. Donnie's got nothing on Salmon. Um, so this is the latest blockbuster. The last time we saw Salmon was in uh, the, this, the fifth remake of a film called Bodyguard, you know, he plays a professional bodyguard who who guards uh, a very rich girl uh, to stop stop her from being, you know, taken down from, like, smugglers or something, so, I don't know, they fall in love. But, you know, who cares? But, yeah, this is the latest uh, Seven Cup blockbuster Is from director Kabir Khan, who is um, a much more, um, how can I guess, a serious director. He's done a film called New York, which was uh, quite a big hit, and uh, even that name, you kind of know that wasn't really your typical it wouldn't be your typical bollywood uh, blockbuster musicals and stuff like that and this is the same same dia- same same idea here um salmon stars as a spy for the uh indian intelligence agency called raw w-r-a-w um his name is tiger no one really knows his real name um he would go on essentially uh he's been on endless series of missions um and the most recent one being in northern Iraq, trying to hunt, uh, stop a um, a man who a fellow agent who sold out secrets. So these are kind of the uh, uh, missions he goes on. And even his 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 um his boss said that every time you go on a mission, someone gets killed. Sorry, this is like an Indian uh Indian James Bond here. Um, the RAW's biggest enemy is the Pakistani intel- intelligence agency called ISI. And uh, the entire the entire film is set up that they have kind of a, almost like a Roman Julia thing going where they're the essentially the, the mortal nemesis of Raw. So it's like a forever um uh, 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 rivalry going on here. Uh, anyway, the latest, latest mission. Uh, Tiger goes to Ireland to spy on a, um, a a scientist who may or may not be uh, selling out selling data to to the to ISI. So Tiger is there to observe. Uh, along with a fellow agent called Gobi. Um, and in the process, he meets the scientist's uh, housekeeper, uh, part-time housekeeper, caretaker, Zoya, uh, who is actually studying in a, in a dance academy in the same city. Uh, but of course, in the process of him trying to spy on the, the scientist under the guise of being a writer, trying to write a book about him, of course, he falls in love. Uh, but, uh, as the story goes on, there's a kind of big twist in the middle directly be- right before the intermission that I shouldn't reveal, um, the mission gets a lot more dangerous when the ISI gets involved. Um, so it's a very straightforward, like I said, it's a very straightforward blockbuster thriller, uh, very much a spy movie that, you know, the, the Hollywood establishment has done. Um, and then of course it turns into a, to kind of a cheesy love story, um, where Simon becomes the lover. And, uh, then of course it, and then it goes back to spy thriller. Um, but it, it, it has everything you would come to expect from a movie like this, exotic locations. It was shot on location in Ireland, Turkey, um, and the ending sequence, which was supposed to take place in Havana, and actually the movie did shoot in Havana, um, was shot in Thailand. So uh, great cinematography. It's a big-budget film. Um, you come, it has everything you come to expect uh, from a blockbuster anywhere. Salman Khan, huge star. He uses lots of leading man charm, and wow, he's carrying the action. Uh just like he does in every movie, he takes off his shirt. Uh even though you know just reflecting the, the style of the director, he does it in a very subtle manner, nothing like uh previous films like The Bang or Bodyguard, sadly. Um but he does take off his shirt. Um sadly you know, even though he carries the action scenes, um, Especially, there's one where he he's he's trying to stop a running runaway tram that had the audience at my screening literally whooping and cheering afterwards as he walks away, uh, take putting back on his jacket in slow motion, like you know real like an Andy Lau kind of move. Um, but in the in the slow motion shots, you can actually see the stuntman, in half the slow motion shots, hmm. very obviously. Um, so sadly, Salman Khan does not do his own stunts. I'm afraid. Oh. Um. The musical sequences, uh, which is something that I've come to look forward to in Bollywood movies, uh, especially, you know, because Salman Khan does really great musical sequences, especially in movies, you know, even Bodyguard or The Bang. You know, they're really memorable musical sequences. The the ones here aren't as good as those two films. As much as Bodyguard is a bad movie, it, it still had wonderful musical sequences, you know, like the, uh, the opening. Well, it seems uh, the like the... bodyguard intro.
1: It would be hard to do musical sequences for a spy james bond movie right i mean uh you know as they start breakout dancing and singing you know i need to win back the nuclear warheads <laughs> uh,
0: mean, but half the movie is a love story which is why and the musical sequences serve the love story yeah so, so the, both both yes both both major musical sequences uh, serve the love story, and there's also one during the, the the ending credits, which were which was also very good, but had nothing to do with the story whatsoever. Just something that they put on top of the uh, the end credits. Uh, like I said, Kabir Khan is a more serious filmmaker. Um, it's not he doesn't make your typical Hollywood musicals. So it's a uh, uh, in fact I just saw a movie named Kani last week that will be playing here in Hong Kong. It's a wonderful wonderful uh, thriller. Um, that had no musical sequence hmm. you know or a movie named Udan, the indie film like i saw two years ago also had no musical sequence um so at, yes there are Bollywood movies that have no musical sequence and here you're kind of somewhere in the middle where it's not they're not quite it feels like the musical sequence felt like they were put in there to serve a certain need rather than to tell the story or to just have a musical sequence they were thrown into you know satisfy satisfy consumer demands more than to you know, make real musical sequences. That's what it felt like to me. Um, the movie is fun, of course, as is share uh, sheer ridiculousness and the audience was great, but I prefer the buffoon, buffoon action hero, Salman Khan. You know, the band, you know, where he's like this straight up, straight up uh, corrupted cop who has no qualms about how bad he is and then turns out to be actually an action hero who doesn't repent whatsoever, even though he's a totally corrupted cop who crashes his own brother's wedding and, you know, steals woman and things like that you know uh, that kind of buffoonery I love that Salman Khan but here he's kind of a straight straight up action hero and even though he's good but it's not as great as his previous roles in my opinion um, but of course you know this movie's breaking records and it's a major blockbuster so if you're a major um, if you're a Bollywood fan this is a, of course I see it um, and if you're not used to the Bollywood style this is a good introductory piece because mm-hmm. it's not quite heavy on the musical sequences so you can watch this to know what you would be in for and then you can move up to, you know, your more typical body blockbuster. So it's also a good introductory piece piece, I think.
1: So I have a question. Yes. Does he ever turn to the camera and say,
0: My name is Khan, Salman Khan. Well, <laughs> at least he would say, uh, Tiger. No, at the end at the end of the final musical sequence, you know, he does his little look sly look at the camera, which had the ladies going. But no. Um yeah, I wish he would he would do that but no uh, actually no at one point because he has a, a he has a whole thing where he's talking to his boss and he says you know when i'm out there i don't know what to tell people that i do you know i tell him that i work as like a government clerk or you know desk job a civil servant but in my mind i actually want to i want to scream you know i'm a spy I, I i saved the world i'm james bond oh there you go <laughs> yes oh, yes At one point he's literally he screams i'm he james bond <laughs> in in hindi so does he have a number no, no number. His no code number. name is Tiger. No, so That's, that's just,
1: t- just the code name. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so are you, I, I take it you're more of a Salman than a Shah Ru fan, right?
0: No, I like Shah Ru Khan for other reasons. Um, but for, you know, pure entertainment, for action, I of course would prefer Salman because Salman is a real action star. Mm. And you know, if if, if we we're going to put, you know, Hong Kong stars in the equ- equivalent, then you know, Salman is my Donnie. Um, Chakra Khan is like my Andy Lau, where he's kind of all-around <laughs> kind of entertainer. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, huh? I can see that. <laughs> yeah, and Amir Khan, the Star-Free Idiots, would be like a Tony Leung, you know? Yeah. Kind of more handsome, handsome, but not quite known for his muscles, but yeah. also very good for, you know, very good acting, but also very handsome, you know, kind of charming, leading man looks, of course. does mm. so He's like more like a Tony Leung to me. Good comparisons.
1: Yes. All right, I think it is time to... Uh move on. So let me play this. The East is Blue. Wait, what? Yeah, so we have uh, one video pick for this week, and that is the film uh, that I've chosen, an old film from 2003 called uh, Diva A Hay. Uh, this film is uh, widely available still on video, and you can uh, find it through various means. Uh, I checked, not on iTunes, but I did check over on Amazon and they have uh, fairly cheap copies uh, um, available. Uh, I'm not sure if it's on uh, Netflix. I, I can't check Netflix anymore because uh, we—I am—they uh, they block me from looking at their uh, uh, at their—you know what they have streaming and, and whatnot. And it's kind of a pain to get in there and look because we're overseas. But um, it is out there. It is available, so you can find it fairly easily. Uh, directed by Joe Ma, uh, Joe Ma Wai Ho. Um, who I've always kind of liked uh, as a director. And this is, I think, one of um, one of my more favorite films from him as a director. I know a lot of people didn't really care for it. Um, stars uh, Charlene Choi, one half of the uh, duo of twins, uh, who at the time were still a pretty hot and rising item. Um, she stars as the title character uh, named ah and And uh, she is a daughter of a fishmonger, who uh, her her dad is played uh, in a small but really touching role um, by um, Lam Shuk. um and basically she uh, has dreams to become a, a singer, and so she gets hooked up with uh, Jordan Chan Chen Su Chan, who is basically a manager, much like the Chapman Toe role in uh, the film we just talked about, Diva. Um, he manages uh, an artist, and that artist's name is Shadow. Shadow is played by uh, Nikki Chow Lake. And um, he his younger brother is played by Sean Yu, who serves as the driver for the group. So he takes on Charlene as an assistant, basically a, a gopher going around and getting coffee and sort of helping to take care of <clears throat> Shadow as they take her around from gig to gig. Uh, the main problem comes is that while Shadow is a is a star and and, and a celebrity um, they the the management company wants her to put out uh, an album you know because it's very common for celebrities in Hong Kong to not only be uh, doing advertising and and making celebrity appearances but you have to put out an album at some point um, to sort of complete the circuit. The problem is is that Nikki's character shadow can't sing um, so what ends up happening is that they find out that uh, Charlene's character hey can sing. And they get her to sort of be the backup uh, voice for Shadow. So she puts out the album and Shadow takes the credit. And so it sets up this uh, relationship for this particular team uh, going forward. Of course, you can pretty much predict that uh, when you have, uh, you know, sort of a secret like this, I think back to the, what was it, Milli Vanilli uh back in the... uh in the 1980s 90s 90s was it when they found out they were just lip syncers and they weren't actually the singers of the songs they were famous for it was a big deal um you know that things are going to go uh bad at some point and and they do um but overall it's a very lighthearted film it is a uh, again kind of following this star is born theme with a little bit of blend of pollyanna because of Charlene' char- characters is very upbeat and positive and always having to try and have a positive influence uh, on the characters in her life. Um, she has a really good chemistry with Jordan Chan. Not, it's it's not a romantic relationship. Uh, it's more like a sort of like a brother-sister relationship uh, that builds between the two of them um, that I think works really, really well. I really liked pretty much all of the characters here. Um, Chapman To is also in this film. He has a cameo as a a leading actor and he's pretty funny. You've got uh some more classic <laughs> actors like Monk Law uh who uh shows up in a um uh, or um I always call him Monk Law. Uh what's his uh what's his what's his what's his normal name, Kevin? Lomang, right? Lomang, yeah. yeah. Uh Lomang. He, he shows up in a back at one point. Um Hiro Hayama is here in his first Hong Kong role. Um and so it's sort of just a lighthearted comedy but it is, again, focusing on the music industry and, and how stars are managed and and uh, treated and some of the competition between stars, even under the same management company. Um, it's a nice complement or parallel to some of the stuff we're seeing in Diva, where Diva takes itself way too seriously. Um, and as Kevin mentioned, doesn't really get as real as probably it should have. It kind of stays uh, fairly neutral in many ways. Um, Diva, uh, hey, is much more on the positive side. It's much more polyanistic and, and upbeat because it's supposed to be a lighthearted comedy, but I still think, um, it's a whole lot of fun, especially if you like, uh, Jordan Chan and Charlene Choi. Um, this was sold back in the day as a double case DVD set. I don't know if they still sell it like this, but that's the version that I got from, uh, I'm going to grab my, my box here. Um, this was from May Ah, And it was a weird trend at the time back in uh, 2003 when they were doing this because um, the second DVD is in a completely separate case and everything and it's just like extras from the film. You know, some like bonus footage, I think a music video uh, and stuff like that. Stuff that they could probably easily fit on the first disc or they could have just put the disc in the the original package. Um, But they were trying to make it look like a bigger kind of a collector's edition kind of a set you don't you're not really getting a whole lot uh from it just some you know extra footage and and things like that uh, but i re- seem to remember they were upping the price trying to up the price of uh dvds at the time and this was a gimmick uh, that they did with uh some films uh, there was another film like also from maya the one with uh uh miriam young and uh tony lang the the chinese new year film uh my lucky stars yeah my lucky star i think i got the same thing for that one they did the same thing too um but I, i'm not sure which version they're selling on uh on amazon um i think you guys have it over at yes asia too but it's still like i said ready redi- readily available if you haven't seen it uh i'd recommend it i think it's a lot of fun kevin you have any thoughts you want to throw in about diva A hey
0: i haven't seen that movie in years but i always remembered really liking sean you as the uh because I thought he was really funny in the first half of the movie when he was like this this the 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 uh, temperamental driver yeah. who throws a fit all the time kind rough yeah. he's got, a rough, tough he's, got guy. he's got
1: anger management issues basically
0: yeah I, I remember liking him a lot um but you know it the part if diva took itself too seriously, the problem with Diva was that it wasn't taking itself seriously it that it was taking stuff seriously, but it was it felt fake, yeah, and in the same way kind of diva hey was like a fairy tale, so it was okay oh, to be absolutely light this is this is
1: very light. And there, there's almost nothing serious about this except the fact that you've got um, the this similar kind of setup with, uh, you know, a manager and an artist who's kind of, you know, somewhere near the top of her game and probably not going to go much further and a young star who's got a lot of potential to go places and, um, you know, her starting out. That, that kind of parallel is there.
0: Yeah, but um, because because it is such a light movie and it's made to be such a light little fairy tale, I find that it's okay for it to be to be light and, yeah. and fluffy. Whereas whereas uh in diva it wasn't okay because it took itself so seriously. Yeah.
1: Um so yeah, check it out. If you can't get a hold of the two thousand and twelve Diva, look for Diva Ahe. That's D I V A dash A H uh Space H E Y. Ahe her her Part of her Chinese name is Hei, so they call her Ah he. Um, According to our one of our favorite sites, lovehkfilm.com, uh, this film actually was nominated for Best Song, Hayat uh, Zam Tin Hao, which was sung by the Charlene Choi. I guess it didn't win, but, you know, it's a pretty central song in the film uh, itself, but uh, not good enough to win for that particular year. Uh, but, yeah, check it out. Hit the wrong button. Crap. Crap. Ah, crap. You're listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. All right, we got one email from uh between our last show and this one uh this email coming from steve he says hi uh, just heard your latest podcast good as ever shame that silent war isn't as good as the message we talked last time we talked about the new tony lung film silent war uh and some had some comparison with uh the film from when was the message released last year or two years ago no i think like three years ago three years ago it seems yeah. like it was not that long ago um but yeah we we felt wasn't as quite as strong as the message was. Uh, he says, it's great though that China's producing period espionage films. Now, if they could only concentrate on making good ones, um, well, you know, it's not a bad film per se, uh, just not a
0: great film. Uh, It dismisses a lot of opportunities. Yeah. I think, uh,
1: he goes on to say in the Hong Kong films I've seen from the 1970s onward, I notice they rarely, if ever, have actual or completely realistic skulls skeletons. I wonder if either of you know why that is. I can think of several possible reasons, but it would be interesting to know the real reason or reasons.
0: Um, I'm a little disturbed that Steve cast <laughs> a certain comparison so that he will know what a real skeleton or a real skull looks like.
1: Well, I mean, I'd be interested to know more specifically what films he's talking about. I know that if you go back and look at some of the stuff in the Shaw Brothers period, I mean, yeah, that looks really, really fake,
0: some of the stuff they do. I mean,
1: um, but...
0: I mean, it's clear because either people, the prop people, has never seen a real skeleton, or they were too cheap to make it look more real. Yeah.
1: um, I'm trying to think of the last Hong Kong movie... That I saw a skeleton. Uh, I want to say. you sure it
0: was one of Mysterious Island. Was there? Horribly. I know. I know they had the. Know, they, they had. You the buri- noticing. They had the burial
1: jars in Mysterious Island. I don't remember if I saw yeah. bones. I know that Chinese ghost story. Okay, has bones. Oh. They've got the bone throne, um, and there are bones in in that are in some of the pots at one point, if I remember correctly. Um, I'm trying to think. Is there a more recent film?
0: Uh... First, I, I think the skeleton has become you know this cliche. You know where, what it look real or not doesn't really matter anymore. I, yeah, I mean this you know, is first, an industry you see, that you was know, a prop. There's no way that you know sh- you can expect anyone to get a real skeleton and put it. In that's true. This <laughs> is a, this is an
1: industry that you kind of have to take with a grain of salt. Some things because, anytime they want to portray a ghost, they simply hold a green light under your chin right i mean and you become a ghost (laughs) that's that's the idea of the of chinese ghost is is uh having a you know a light shot from beneath you um of a certain color so you know i'm guessing if it's some of the earlier shaw stuff that the production budget just wasn't there to make you know really realistic stuff um i'm trying to think of later stuff i mean did in untold story was there bones I've never seen it. Huh? Never seen Untold Story. I've I've seen it, but I don't I don't remember.
0: I was too young when it came Um, out, and now I'm old enough to watch it. It's not really really available. Uh,
1: Dragon Inn. Okay, I know that. In Dragon Inn, there's a scene where the, uh, the the the, the, like the cannibal cook, uh, cuts up the eunuch, and uh, basically, cuts all the meat off his arm and his leg, and you see, like a skeletal hand. Um, but then, yeah, and it's just weird. It really, I guess it comes down to production budget. So I'm thinking of Chinese Ghost Story 2. I remember they had a big, I guess it was supposed to be a demon and it just looked really, really kind of fake. And then the zombies in, in uh, Chinese Ghost Story 1 were, were stop motion zombies, which, you know, for the time in Hong Kong cinema, that was really good. But comparatively in Hollywood cinema, that was like stuff that Ray Harryhausen was playing with. Um, you know, back in the '60s and the '70s, I
0: guess. So, um, there's always a possibility that, um, you know, with you know, big commercial films, that you know, the real, real-looking skeletons might freak the audience out. That's true. So, obviously, they want to go the more exaggerated way and more comedic look or even more over-the-top look.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point too. You know, maybe they're trying to keep things a little bit low-key for a certain rating uh, or something like that. Uh, that's a Distinct possibility. Uh, Steve goes on to say a couple recommendations. Uh, Jiro dreams of sushi. Uh, great the, film. Uh, I have a copy of that. Documentary that. of about a
0: Japanese sushi maker, right? Really great film. Uh, Paul, I have, a, I have a copy of a, a Taiwanese DVD. You want to borrow that? English subtitle. Yeah. He
1: also mentions uh, Inside Men, a UK four-part TV series. Not familiar with that. To take a look and see what that is a little bit later. Um, so yeah, thanks for the email and the comments and, uh, you know, I'll ask around. I think we should probably talk to uh, maybe Tim Youngs and get his thoughts on bones and skeletons and skulls. Uh, He might have some insight into that as well. Uh, If we find out anything new, we will come back and revisit the topic of uh, the bone. All right, I think that's going to wrap things up for this week. Um, If you would like to be part of the show. Uh, you can uh, get in touch with us over at the website. That is com. That's K-O-N-G dash C-A-S-T dot com. Uh, of course, you can always find us over on iTunes, and we'd love to hear some feedback from you there. If you have a chance, uh, stop by, leave us a review, leave us some comments. Uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. Twitter, we are on Twitter. You can follow the show at twitter.com slash concast, and you can get updates as to uh when and where we'll be broadcasting or if we've got delays. You can also follow me at twitter.com slash foxlore, although I tend to tweet about rather inane topics. Um more specifically you should follow Mr. Ma over at twitter.com slash the golden rock that's one word, the golden rock. And he tweets about all kinds of things from movies to facts and figures and uh just, you know, lots of lots of information about uh cinemas in China and cinemas here in Hong Kong. So I urge you to follow him. Uh, If you'd like to write into the show, as Steve did, you can also get in touch with us via Gmail. That is EastScreen at gmail.com. Send us a question, send us a comment. We'll talk about it here on the show. And if you'd like to, you can also send us a short review, an audio file. Uh, Keep it short and sweet, and we'll play it here on the show as well.
0: You Remember can. Uh, also yep. to visit us on our Facebook page, oh, Facebook. Yes, our I newly launched Facebook page. Uh, comments, questions, anything you want to talk about, want us to talk about on the show, uh, come to www.facebook.com slash East S West S. That's one word, East S West S, uh, S as in screen. So um, like I said... Um, Comments, um, um, ideas, suggestions, anything. I look at it personally, so I don't worry. It will get to me, and I will pass it on to Paul. And even if you're not logged into Facebook, you should be able to see the page. So, um, I'm not sure you can post, but you can at least come and look at a page. Uh, we'll post each. I will post new each new episode, and and we'll talk about. I'll post trailers to the movies we'll be watching, and of course, links to, to news and interesting other interesting items. In fact, I should be posting the new Guillotines trailer uh, anytime now have time sweet yeah things like that all right facebook. so facebook get your facebook
1: on while it lasts because they're not doing so hot according to the news right stocks down yes. uh mr zuckerberg need your needs your dollars <laughs> need, need your views so you can get more dollars i guess that's how it goes yes. um so yeah facebook uh stitcher you can catch us on stitcher listen to us on your iphone your android phone your blackberry And your webOS phones. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, it's the smarter way to listen to radio. And we thank them for their support of our little show. Uh, Additional thanks go out to Rob Govers of Schnauzer Studios for our theme. Ross Chen of lovehkfilm.com for keeping us out and organized to go to movie nights each and every week here in Hong Kong. Uh, The K-Man for sticking with me for three years now. woo and uh that's a lot longer than most marriages right the show is older than your baby (laughs) at least celebrity marriages right i mean we 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 outlasted um kim kardashian's wedding right (laughs) i shouldn't say that; that's mean um but of course we also thank all of you the listeners for being here with us each and every week whether you can come in and watch the show live or you listen to us in podcast form Uh, we're happy that you're there Next show, episode 121, looks like we're going to be talking about a couple more local Hong Kong films. Uh, what do we got coming up down the pipe?
0: Uh, for Hong Kong, we'll have the new, um, yes, the Lan Kui Fong 2, the sequel to, of course, Lang Kui Fong 1, the, the young youth clubbing uh, slash promiscuous lifestyle promoting movie. Uh, also, we have the new Wan Jing production, uh, Naked Soldier, finally coming out here in Hong Kong. Uh, we also have Japanese animated film, um, The Wolf and the... It's a huge hit. I forgot the English name already, but it's The Wolf and the Something. Huge hit in Japan. We are playing with Chinese and English subtitles. Uh, the latest film from the director of Summer Wars and uh, The Girl Who Left Through Time. So, looking very much forward to that. Uh, yeah, speaking so of
1: Japanese films, I'm going to try and get out... Um, what is it, The After Nighters is also...
0: After School Midnighters. After School yes.
1: Midnighters is uh, playing at some point this weekend in Hong Kong and I'm going to try and get out and see that because that looks like it's right up my alley. Um, so yeah, that's going to have a full schedule next week, it looks like. Um, I'm not sure if we'll have any West Screen films.
0: <laughs> oh, but you know what? Actually, another, another huge event coming up this weekend. What's that? For me, personally. Me and Kozo and a few, a, a few of our friends. The latest Ikin Chen concert oh you guys got tickets yes oh. we're attending the, the latest ikin Chen concert on sunday sunday evening excellent you so yes i will passes. be also be back with a report uh it'll be the second ikin Chen concert i've been to so i'm looking very much forward to it to see him again
1: well that'll be excellent uh we'll have to, you'll have to report in from all your backstage dalliances
0: of course because uh, me and ikin we're like you know yeah you're tight buddies
1: you know he yeah. always does the april fool stuff over at uh of HK film so I know that him and Kozo are tight. And he was at his wedding, right? We've got photo- yeah. yeah, we've got but photo actually, that's, that's
0: why they wanted to ban at the show. Photo proof that he was at the wedding.
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, all of that and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen West Screen wishing you good viewing and we'll see you next week.
0: See you next week everybody. <laughs>